I'm Sadeh. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 104 of Shades of Brown. Uh, and this week, we, we're going to be talking the important Apple OSs, right? The ones that... What, yeah, yeah, the no, important... We're, uh, so, no, no TV OS, because I know... Um, <laughs> what was it? It was about... Two weeks ago, we went over all the Android stuff. Um, just like how we didn't talk about the, whatever new Android TV release came out, we're also not going to be talking about um, TV OS. But I will say... I will say while today's episode is mostly just going to be, you know, new Apple software releases minus Mac OS, which is hopefully sometime next week, but no one really knows. Um, I, one quick mention on tvOS is that this multi-user stuff actually works well, which makes me even more sad that it isn't like a proper thing on iPads or, or even on phones. It's, I, I mean, phones, maybe it doesn't make that much sense, but like, it really should be a thing on like iPads. Like, I, especially with iPad OS. I think they'll probably add it next year, I think. Yeah, because, like, I th- you could have words, like, like let's say your iPad, right? Like, I know you have one for yourself, but, like, there's no reason that you can just put multiple users, right, and have, like, your siblings or, like, your parents use it when you're not, like, you know, using it, because it's, it's, not, it's not as if, like, you know, it's usually, like, what, your games and Overwatch League machine? There's <laughs> yeah, definitely, there's much. probably a good amount of downtime where someone else could totally grab it and watch some Netflix or whatever. Yeah, for sure. It's that's the thing that, that it, especially for families, uh, shared usage, uh, having multi-user is good. So let's start with let's start with iOS, right, and, and iPad OS as well. Uh, so th- this year's theme, I would say, with iOS 13 is bugs. I just, I just, I need it. I need, we need to start with that. We'll, we'll get into features in a minute, but we really, really need to start with how buggy these releases are. So just, just to put it in context, um, within the, the release cycle, within two weeks of iOS 13 being released, we had 13.1. And then a couple of days later, we had another 13.1.1 release just to keep cleaning up all of the bugs. And, and it's the most interesting part, right? It's like iOS 13 came out five days four days later ios 13.1 came One out came, okay so the, the the story is story here is that they they released uh ios 13.0 on thursday what was it like uh the 19th right and and then uh and then what happened was uh apple the, uh, the ios 13.1 was originally supposed to be released on the 30th uh, but what what happened was Apple silently moved up the release date for thirteen point one. Like they put a note on their website, and then somebody somebody on on like somebody on Twitter, Joanna like, Stern uh, saw it. Joanna 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 Stern of the Wall Street Journal uh noticed that the date was updated to the twenty fourth. Right? Was it twenty fourth? Yeah. So on on Tuesday. So just like four days later, basically, like thirteen point one comes out. Um, everybody was just like. Why not just release thirty point one? And, and the one thing that was uh, talked about, I think on uh, I think on, on the latest episode of the talk show, uh, yeah, is, yep, that, is that the new watches right require iOS thirteen. However, however, though, right, like for, for those new watches, if it's a five day, four day Delta, they could have pushed back the release date. Honestly, and, I mean, sure, but they they also there's another thing about carrier certification, which was mentioned, is that. Uh, carriers need like the release version to certify. Well, so that right? makes sense. That makes sense, right? But but why do why do existing phones need to get upgraded to thirteen base? Right, the new phones could have just shipped the base thirteen and uh, had an immediate software update, like sort of like a day one patch out I, situation. I think like it's it was just like 
they just decided to roll with it. Like, like at some point, somebody decided, like, yeah, we need to ship this. Like, they had the keynote ready. They mentioned the release date in the keynote, and like, and their keynotes are like heavily rehearsed. Like, those are practiced, like probably months in advance. Like, those are like those those release dates are probably set in stone, right? Like the thirteen point release date. Like, it it was like they didn't want to change it, so so we got what we got, and like nobody should have upgraded to thirteen point except for people who got the uh, the only people the new who phones, sh- who sh- right? The new phones, who uh, people who got the new uh, iPhones, uh, would have seen the 13.0 release, right? But not for long, for only for like uh, only for like two or three days, right? Before they could they could upgrade to 13.1. And see, the, the thing is, too, I never actually used 13 base, I immediately went to the 13.1 uh-huh. beta. I did, actually, I actually used that because I because I'm uh, like, I was like, I want to see all the new iOS 13 stuff, so. Let, let's start with that. Let's start with the features. Like we can talk about that. I have some couple bugs to talk about later, but uh, let's start with the uh, new stuff. The biggest one, uh, of course, first and foremost, is is dark mode, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's the most user. Like, let's be honest, it's the most user noticeable feature, right? Like, it's like the one thing that you notice straight away, right? If it's, right, if it's right. turned on. So, and and, and I'm actually surprised. Like, it's it's very good. I think, in my opinion. Uh, the way that uh, that Apple designed dark mode is very, very like detailed. Like they changed colors. They uh, like it, it's some sort of uh, what sort of color system is it? It's like a, it's like the colors changed very slightly. Like they like get red. tinted down, if that makes sense. Like a darker hue. So, please, it's not it's not like inversing the colors, right? It's not as if we're going from like. We're just switching everything from like an F one F one F one background to be like zero one zero one zero one background. Nothing like that. Yeah, it's, it's semantic colors, right? It's, that's what it's, they're calling it. Like it's it's like a semantic color system where it's built into UI kit, uh, where like the colors have color definitions, right? So if when you say red, it means two different things in either if the phone is in dark mode or is it, it's in uh, it's in light mode, like. In in uh, in dark mode, like uh, the color blue is sorry. In light mode, it's color blue is like RGB zero, one twenty two two fifty five, and in dark mode, it's ten one thirty two two fifty five. So it's like slightly, uh, slightly different, right? So they they're, they're tuning color profiles so it's very slightly. And, and this is just to increase contrast on um on the darker you know the darker screens, just for the fact of that if you did keep the same colors while also tinting down the background it'll look a little garish and a little bit weird and especially when it comes to text and like icon legibility they aren't as legible and and specifically as well with this change they're also now using a new glyph system for the um buttons it's sf icon or it's a new icon font so Instead of rendering PNGs or um, other like actual image assets, what they're doing is that they've turned those now into a font, and they're rendering a font for those buttons. And it and some designers I saw on Twitter are having a little bit of a fit because if you zoom them in a hundred percent, there's sometimes a little bit of clipping and artifacts, um, mainly in the mail dot app. But um, but I've we haven't seen if that's an OS issue or if the application itself is just a little bit buggy. Um, because Mail was the example a lot of them are using, but Mail itself is kind of because mm. if you go to Safari and other apps, it isn't as it, there isn't like any artifacts on those or or blurriness on those on those icons for the uh, buttons. SF symbols is is the name of the font. SF symbols is the new font, uh, new icon glyph font. Uh, 
so yeah, like I, I've been I've been using dark mode. Uh, some apps are like some iOS stock apps are doing it better than others, right? Like I think like uh, like messages is pretty good. Uh, Safari is 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 also pretty good. The one the one that is actually not that great is is mail, and I'm not sure exactly why because mail is like all text, right? It's mostly text. What I've noticed about dark mode too that. I don't particularly like is that even for non OLED phones, it's they use pure black uh, in a lot of places. And I, I would appreciate if they at least like modified it for LCD displays like Mac OS. I think Mac OS's dark mode is great because there's no use of pure black, but Apple does dip into pure black some places and it doesn't look good on an LCD. Hmm. Like I'm looking at like notes. It looks pretty good. Like uh, I think photos also looks are photos is weird because like uh obviously the focus is on 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 the photos and so like photos are all sorts of different colors and it's it's interesting to see how they sort of there's like some like when you go into a photo view like it's like uh like the the top and the bottom become semi-transparent like it's like translucent right uh but yeah mail mail is the one app that looks weird like i think music also looks pretty good uh, music is also a really good example of those colors changing because it turns from like that music red to a little bit more pinkish in hue, but it looks very good when you, when it does change. Yeah. Um, email is the only one that I feel like is, is, is just strange. It's, it's, it just feels strange that it's, it doesn't look as good as it should. Uh, maps is actually an example of a dark mode app that looks really, really good. Because it's especially uh, the map tiles, right? They also switch to a dark appearance, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, it's, it's very nice. Uh, uh, so so how, do you, how are you using dark mode? Do you like uh, leave it turned on or do you have it set to automatically change? Like the, You can do either of those. Um, so I tried living with dark mode for a couple of days and my issue is maybe my phone might be a little bit older so like some of the anti-glare stuff might be wearing off on the screen, but it just makes it harder to see in sunlight. Right, I I I honestly just can't see my screen with dark mode turned on. If I go outside, I have to crank the brightness up higher than I would with light mode. And so, uh, just because of that, just for like battery life concerns, I keep light mode on. I think that it does look. I think it looks well. Um, Books has a really nice dark mode implementation. I love Safaris. Um, I would say messages. I'm a fan of it in the threads. I don't like how the um, table view looks. Yeah, the table view. It's it's fine. It's it's not like the best, but it, it sort of has that mail problem, right? Because it's the same table view design as mail, right? Kind of. Uh, so it looks weird. Uh, but also, yeah, I the, love the um the home screen when you have dark mode on. The folders get that tint, and widgets on the widgets page get that tint. I, I think that actually looks really good, and I kind of wish I could have that on at all times, regardless of what mode what mode setting I'm on. But the home screen itself looks very good. Um, yeah, and the, there's two different wall. Like the wallpapers can have like dark and light versions, right? That's yeah, they look cool, like actually. Mac OS. It's like yeah, the same cool. sort of feature over there. Uh, I, I like that. Uh, also, third party apps. Uh, some of them have adopted dark mode, right? Um, like dark mode. Like some of, some apps already had dark mode. Uh, they sort of adapt like the automatic changing feature or like the uh, watch apps. Like I think like Transit Tweetbot does it um things does it fantastical has an option for it um card hop has an option for it overcast OneDrive. doesn't OneDrive has a dark mode and it's very good uh i think pocket cast did pocket cast get updated with the toggle 
I don't I don't use Pocket Cast anymore, so I don't have it installed, so I can't tell. But uh, I mean, Overcast already had a dark mode for ages. Uh, but it doesn't follow right now. Marco hasn't released the um, the thirteen update. Which is a little bit buggy too. Have you tried using Overcast? I know he mentions it on ATP how like the navigation bar just breaks in iOS 13 sometimes. I haven't noticed any bugs. Well, if you search yeah. for a podcast, go to the podcast page, then go back to the home page by hitting the back button. You'll get a merged navigation bar at the top that has the icons for the search button, the search page, and the icons for the regular home page. And you have to force quit the app to actually make it functional again. It's a very fun bug. Mm. Yeah, UI kit is, is is struggling. Uh although um I, I would say outside of dark mode though, I think dark mode's like the main reason people are probably gonna upgrade, but I actually don't think it's the most important bits of iOS thirteen. No, uh no. Um uh, let's let's get to like the sort of major Lost of 3D updates. touch. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the new haptic touch? Okay. Oh, I, oh this this is a good question for me because uh uh, this is this is where I this is where I go into this tangent about uh, that I that I never liked 3D Touch as a feature. Like I thought it I thought it was uh... so so when I first started using iOS, my first iOS device like for, as a phone was the iPhone uh, six plus, right? Uh, and that didn't have 3D Touch, right? And I used that for two years, right? Uh, and then I upgraded to was it two years or one year? I upgraded to the seven plus, right? Uh, and it like the seven plus had the three D touch, right? Yep, yeah. The um, last, the first one okay. that didn't have three D touch was the XR, the ten R. Ah, okay. So yeah, the seven plus, uh, it it had three D touch, and honestly, I could probably count. Like on my fingers, like how many times I actually use 3D Touch, like intentionally. I never, uh, it never felt like I had to use it to get things done. Like, like I don't like it's. I, I felt like it was unnecessary. Like honestly, it felt like a gimmick at best. Like I never liked the whole like the the, the gesture of like you know pressing on the screen. That always felt very strange to me. It's it's like subjective, but uh, I never liked that. Uh, so I'm 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 pretty happy that it's now haptic touch, which is. Which is essentially a long press, right? Like you just lightly long press. On yeah, like- you just hold down on an icon or a link or whatever. And mind you, too, three touch still kind of works. So if you if you take something that you can haptic touch on and actually force press into it, it'll it'll still um, do the the haptic touch feature, but at a shorter, it takes a shorter amount of time for it to work. I like I'm I'm honestly like Apple got rid of it, and I think they probably know better like they probably have the stats uh they probably have uh surveys or re- user research to suggest that people don't actually use 3D touch all that much uh so getting rid of it is honestly not a loss for me personally uh, i disagree I, <laughs> so okay let's go i i like 3D touch for one reason only and that is for moving my keyboard around and mind you on devices that still support 3d touch that feature still works but if i ever change my phone i'm gonna have to do the silly thing where i have to hold down on the space bar and then wait i it it adds latency that's the problem right this haptic touch system i i I know why it takes as long as it does for the haptic touch features to activate right because you don't want accidental haptic touches but it just it takes too long. Like especially if I want to rearrange apps now on, or delete an app, you have to hold like a good second or two on that icon before the jiggle dance starts. And 
it's bad because you could in theory do a haptic touch when the context menu pops up and then drag the icon to move to put everything into jiggle mode but that that gesture is just awkward it doesn't feel right and i'm not a fan of it uh, yeah it's i mean it's not perfect like the happy touch stuff is is a bit uh, like as you mentioned the latency is a weird and but i still like it better than force like pressing on the screen just just a personal thing but uh i mean i, I it, it's more discoverable to just hold on it like i understand why they did it no one was really using 3d touch yeah and it's also but, added uh, like a extra hardware thing which which was which can be removed now right like you know that's it also harmonize like it also sent like makes it so that both ipad and i uh, like uh iphones have like the same interaction model interaction yeah. model because before I like iPads never had 3D touch, right? And it's like weird because it's like if you if you're used to using 3D touch on a phone, then you go go to an iPad, you can't do it. It's it's uh, it's not great uh, for consistency. So so there's that. So major app updates, um, photos. It's like it's like the, the zoom out mode. I like the uh, the sort of the view that they present now is like the for you view, right? It's like the uh, it's like the machine, like machine learning generated. Uh, no, when you open it, so when you open it, you get to a list of all your photos, right? And it's years, days, um, or years, months, days, and all photos. But it goes to days by default, and it does some machine learning to figure out like what's the important photograph from a day, right? So it'll prioritize people's foot, like animals, places, and and like um, faces above you know photos of like a receipt or something like that, right? And and that's how it it'll decide what what's it should be placed there and. I think it does a pretty good job, but at first it was a little bit confusing, right? Since it used to open to the all photos view. So some, some users I saw on Twitter were just like, where'd my pictures go? But if you move it over to all photos, it'll, it'll, um, go ahead and switch it to like a, a regular grid view. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now and it's, it does hide like screenshots. Like it doesn't show screenshots when you have it in like days views, right? Like it hides those, uh, which is cool. And also at the bottom, Right, it's it's this is an interesting addition. It says curation complete, right? Uh, photos and videos are curated when your device is connected to power. And now, so on like iOS twelve and before, when this like when the when they did this machine learning stuff on the photos, like that stuff was weird and buggy. Right? Sometimes it wouldn't finish, right? Uh, and like it was stuck in a loop, right? And it wouldn't sync and like stuff like that was weird. But now it seems to be much better. Like it seems to be doing the analysis stuff much better on device uh how do you feel about the is, is there has there been any machine learning stuff that is updated like effects suggestions yeah or? yeah and not transitions and such but they've updated sort of how how they create um those generated albums and for you and i think it's what i think is interesting is that of course, Apple Photos is competing with Google Photos in terms of how they present pictures to you. But like the thinking behind them is way different because Apple Photos is basically like, this is like your personal photos and we're going to use our machine learning on the device to generate what we think is important to you. Whereas Google Photos is like, this is all of these pictures of these memories and we're going to use our machine learning on the cloud to sort of generate what we think are important memories and put those together. So Apple Photos tends to focus a lot on like things I've done, right? Like I recently took a trip up to Boston and a lot in the album it generated for me was like my week in Boston, right? Instead of being like a time out with like 
the family. Yeah, so it like focuses on your like what it knows. Like, like it, it focuses on the information it has, which is the stuff on the on the phone, right? Like it focuses on you, especially because it's funny to me because I I, I launched a for you tab and like in sharing suggestions, it's like share a selfie of me with me. It's it says share with Sadiq, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious because it's like what? <laughs> yeah, so it's like you know, like it's. I mean, it's not perfect, obviously, but like it, it's like. It's it, it, it. I I feel like I'm like the worst person to use this algorithm on because like I don't take that many photos of anything other than myself. <laughs> so it's like it's like what is this gonna do? Like it's it, it, I don't give it like much of a choice. So it's like it's not like it's really its fault. But uh, so that's another funny thing. Yeah. So yeah, it, it really focuses on 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 you. It's like it, it show you photos of uh, with you in them and like. It'll show like your trip to et cetera, et cetera. Like it's it's yeah. It's, what else? Um, I think photo editing. I haven't tried any of these. Like, you can um. So they redesigned the editing screen, which is way better now. Way the redesign controls are way better than the previous ones. It makes it a lot more obvious and a lot more friendly on how to edit photos. You can also edit videos in the same manner through the Photos app, which is great. So I've 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 never. Like I don't take videos on on my phone, so like I don't, I don't I've never actually tried this. But like, is 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 it good? Like, I haven't yeah, tried it I mean, it's mostly just like you know, straightening, cropping, um, applying like an auto filter, like doing like other filters to it. So it's pretty basic stuff. But the fact that you can do it now is important, and it's good. yeah, and you can do it in real time, which is like kind of incredible if you think about it. Uh, so th- that's cool. Uh, Let's talk about ca- since we're on photos. Let's talk about cameras. Uh, camera introduced uh, a new portrait lighting mode. Right? Uh, it's called uh, high key, key mono light- or key light mono. Key, key light mono. Uh, um, which is like I don't know. It's it's it's. I don't really feel like these. Like I don't understand. What's like what's the point of key light mono? Like I like maybe I'm not a photographer and I'm more like a very creative person, but like I don't see the point of key light mono as, as like a as like a mode. It's, uh, it's people kind of use these. People like I mean like it's I I don't like it's it's these are used like especially when I go on Tinder a lot. Like there's a lot of like photos on Tinder taken with these portrait modes, and I I think that while they're fun, I think it's also like people like them so that's why they apple keeps adding them like i think there's enough usage there right for it to warrant adding these new ones and i think that given the photo itself right given the if the portrait photo was taken like a proper portrait photo and the bokeh is done right and there's no weird clipping or anything like that i think a lot of these filters actually look good but only in like small use cases like that key mono one i would only really use it on like on like an indoor shot, not even like Indoors, on like a sunny yeah. one. Yeah, like it's. Yeah, I'm. I'm not like. I mean, portrait mode is is one thing that it's it's uh, it's nice, but it's like uh, it's. I, did, I think they mentioned that they improved portrait mode in in iOS 13, where uh, like it's better at uh, detecting like edges and stuff. Like the okay. Because it's always like it's 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 all right. Then you look closely and you see like like somebody's ears cut off by the by the uh, by the fake bouquet, right? It's uh, it's weird. Uh, I mean, it's, it's never. I don't think it's like ever going to be as good as a proper bouquet that you can do with like uh, you know an. Actual, I think eventually it'll get there, but that's like I mean, a couple yeah. of generations from now. Yeah, it's a, yeah, probably. Uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, 
Is, is it worth talking about maps or do you want to talk about reminders? I think reminders. Well, I think we could briefly touch upon maps where maps now has a collections view, which is great. They are also rolling out a new maps design um, only in the US. I haven't gotten it yet over here, um, but maps is pretty good. Maps also has live transit in cities that support it. And Orlando is not a city that supports it. You know what annoys me the most about this is there's a separate app I can download on the app store that actually gives you live tracking. But but the um, our city has an app for tracking the live location of buses. But they refuse to share that data with Google or Apple. So you don't get estimates. So even in Google Maps, which I believe has a similar feature, I can't get like a if I leave right now, right? Like where's this bus might be scheduled to come in 20 minutes, but it might actually be 10 minutes away, right? So I should leave early. Like I don't get that in Google Maps or Apple Maps. I have to like I have to start a trip and then I have to like go into the dedicated bus tracker app, which is a piece of garbage, crashes all the time. And I have to look at my specific route and then I have to see where it's at on the map. And then I have to switch back, which is a huge mess. And I really wish they'd share this data so it can get integrated into these mapping apps because it make navigation so much better. Like uh, I'm looking at like yeah, like transit on on in Apple Maps. Like I get like it shows the routes, and you can like tap on it. It'll show you scheduled, right? It'll show, it'll say, yeah, uh, and, and right there, if, if you had live transit support, it would actually say how far away it is. Or if it's like if it's on time or not, right? It tell you if it's running late, and and it doesn't do that. It just because it doesn't have that data to work with it. Right. No. No. That, that's why I use. That's why I still use Transit because Transit has that, uh, the Transit app, which is very good. Well, they're probably gonna add it to Toronto then if if one app has it, because that means the shitty the, the shitty the city <laughs> the city is able to share that information. Yeah, the city does share. Yeah, like the TDC does share that data, uh, and Transit has it. Transit has it for years. Like I've been using Transit for a long time. Um, and transit integrates a lot of different transit systems. Uh, like it integrates with like other transit systems here, like Go Transit uh, for trains and buses. So it's like it's good. Like I, I use it all the time. Uh, well, actually, let me a, try. Let's let's try one more time. Let me make sure that in in the time since I spoke that Apple didn't actually add this. Let me look at the bus route right by my house. So if I pull up this bus stop, and then I go here, and let's tap inbound. It is no. It's not telling it doesn't, me. It probably doesn't show it. it. It'll show like it says seven for me. It's like seven minutes scheduled. Uh, seven minutes scheduled. What a city. Mine is thirty three minutes scheduled. Oh, uh, Orlando. But um, but I also I like the collections view. Um, I think I think maps is maps is now to the point where I no longer want to use Google Maps. Because it's like there's no real reason. I actually uninstalled Google Maps. I don't even have it installed. Uh, I mean, I, I rarely need Maps anyway. To be to be fair, to be honest, I don't need Maps like Map features all that often, like navigation features all that often. And when I do Google, like Apple Maps gets the job done now, so it's like it's fine. Yeah, and Apple Maps is really good about having relevant location data for like new businesses and such. Like, I really haven't noticed any deficits on that. Um, so yeah, no, Apple Maps is getting better. I think it's now, I think it's now like genuinely just like, you really don't need Google Maps and Google Maps is trying to become like an OS anyways, because now Google Maps is like messaging and all that shit. Oh man, I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> I, I don't need that. Oh. And also Google Maps <laughs> is probably destroying your battery because you probably allowed it to track your location all the time, which brings me to our next point of location preferences got a big redesign where Apple now makes it very, very hard for something to always track your location. Yep. Yeah. So it's like some. It's like time based, right? Like you can, you can. 
uh, you can tell it to ask like only once, right? Ask like, you the you next get- time you open the app while you're using the app. And I believe you have to, the app has to jump through some hoops to get you to even have the option for always. Yeah. Which is good because most, most apps don't need always, always location tracking. Um, only not even like weather apps need always location tracking because like how, because like the, because like for like even a weather app, right? They can just pull your location when you open the app. It's not as if pulling location and pulling the latest weather data is more than like a few kilobits of information, right? Right, right. It's like, yeah. So some apps really don't need, yeah. Looking at you, Facebook. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Uber. I'm looking at you, um, Yelp. There's a couple, a couple other ones, but that's 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 good. Some some good privacy stuff. Um, but so switching to reminders now. Reminders got a huge update, and I'm very much a fan of reminders. So reminders beforehand was like a simple to do list, and now they moved it into sort of like they're 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 encroaching a little bit on like project management, where you can have like different views and reminders you can create like yes. different groups yeah, but it's still not as yeah it's still not as complicated as yeah, that it's definitely but not omni focus or like um things but i think for the sort of simplicity slash you know power user mix that they were going for for default app i think it really hit a good note because you could essentially just when you open it up now you have a dashboard they'll tell you things that are flagged things that are let me actually open up the app so i can tell you exactly what it's scheduled and things that are due today and all and you can also create new lists and in those lists you can have you know different reminders you can have them be location based you can even have them be when you text someone an iMessage so when you go to someone an iMessage you can have a reminder pop up which is very which is very cool and they re- I think they, yeah they redesigned the app right it looks more like a modern iOS app right with the the headers and the and then the icon glyphs uh very colorful uh with the, with those icons um I I've never used reminders so it's like I know a lot of people use it because it's the built-in app right and it's, it's uh, it works uh, it syncs across devices so that's also a thing but yeah so that's good so I mean I've I, I kind of switched over from things to it just to see how it works. And I have I have like different lists, right? Because then things have different um groups and projects and the such. And you could that's easily move you can move it over easily to new reminders. Because basically, right, I have one for like podcast stuff that I need to do. I give them due dates. Um I have like continuous reminders for like to go to the gym and stuff, just so my phone can nag me to get out. You know, I have I have stuff like that and it, it works well for that. It's easy to triage it. There's not many issues. I have heard there's a couple sync bugs. And right now, if you use this new version of Reminders, you actually, it does not sync to anything not running iOS 12 and lower, or or you need to be on macOS Catalina if you want it to sync with your Mac. Oh, the macOS. The macOS is the problem because iOS 13.13 is out and 13.1 is out across devices, but macOS Catalina is not. Yeah, my Reminders are not syncing to my Mac until Catalina drops. And I'm... I'm probably not going to upgrade to Catalina and just because of how buggy this year's software release cycle is. Like I could take a buggy phone, but I really, I really can't take my Mac being buggy on you me. You think like logic and stuff is gonna break? Like, that's my buggy. that's my fear. I I don't want because when macOS Mojave came out, logic crashed a lot. Logic was very crashy until they released a um a point update to to solve a lot of the stability issues. So I just don't even want to take the chance on it. <sighs> so so just no reminders for you on, on the yeah on no reminders class. on my mac for a little bit um although what else what else do we have we have the new health app actually which is really good yes. really good yes yes uh, yeah uh major redesign of the health app major redesign thing is i don't actually open the health app that often i only check it like every once in a while but like 
it's it's really nice. Like it it has a nice like the summary view. I think it's really good. Like the the way it shows sleep analysis. Uh, Even like the the loudness stuff, right? For the Apple Watch. So basically, what the what the new health app does is that it takes all the data what you've always been able to put into health, right? And it runs like. I would say it's like almost like it runs reports on like your health data and gives you back like useful insights, right? It'll tell you on average how many calories you burned this week, how much have you been active. It'll tell you, you know, how your workouts are looking. It'll tell you, um, you know, how loud things, you know, on average the the environmental your environments around environmental sound levels, uh, which is which is an interesting, interesting. Like if you work in a loud environment, like if you take the train, etc., uh, stuff like that. Like it's it's cool uh, and. What else? Let's see. Uh, notes? Did notes get any change? Oh, notes. You notes can do got like sub, a minor. Sub, got some like minor folders. updates. Yeah. You can do sub sub folders, which is good if you're if you're Federico, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think many people have like sub sub notes folders, but I, I, you never know, you know. Uh, messages got um, a new username system, which I think is super important. Oh yes, yes, it did. It got it, and you can you can set it to ask. To share, right? Or you can share it with. So you can context, automatically right? share. Um, you, so you basically can add what like, username or name you want to be known as on iMessage and a profile picture. And then you can have it automatically be uh, perforated around your contacts, your mutual contacts, right? They have you, you have them. Or you could have it so um, you it'll prompt you to share that contact information with anyone you text. You know, you know what? What one thing that annoys me is, is how they moved. Uh, like you know how when before you could in iOS twelve you you hit the edit button then you could select messages multiple messages oh you have to hit the three dots right yeah, and, and, it, and it's like it, and then and then it pops up a little pop over from the bottom when it says manage messages I'm not a big fan of that I'm, to be honest like it just it just feels awkward and it's it's not a, it's a common thing in iOS thirteen where they move stuff to menus like that like uh, pop over menus it's it's really weird uh, like I would like. Mm. It's just a minor thing, like the the ability to select messages, multiple messages at once, right? Uh, I would also like one of my like big feature requests for iMessages or messages in iOS is like a archive section where it can archive all the messages, like messages that I want to keep, but I like I don't need to like like these are like old messages that I don't need to read all the time. I can just put them in an archive and have like the current set of messages be available the one that get displayed in the list right it's just it's just a personal organizational thing uh, but yeah uh memojis uh and emojis uh i can now i now have a memoji because they now brought it to any device running the um i believe it's the a10 or a11 chip so i can't obviously i can't make the face tracked one but i get memoji stickers and i can make my you know i was able to make my own memoji and i get the whole editor um which is good enough just for how terribly awful those memoji stickers are and they've not even built them into the emoji keyboard so you can send them as images through any app and it's beautiful um, uh, it's mm, i've never used them like it's like a one-time thing like i tried them once and then i never used them again uh, so that's that uh and i think outside of outside of that there's not a whole lot of new messages iMessage app store still exists somehow oh, um right i forget that's a thing the other core apps there's not not much has been touched on the iPhone keyboard side. keyboard 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 we got to talk about the keyboard oh, the thing swipe because, keyboard right yes we got to talk about this because it's actually like kind of a big deal even though most reviews don't like get into it too much uh you can now swipe to type uh you know uh 
it's it's really weird. It's not and that good. I it is so I would say it is the second the third best. So so here's here's um get out your bingo cards because the best swipe keyboard, best touch keyboard, of course, was Windows Mobile eight point oh, one. Oh my god, the bingo card is real. Windows Mobile eight point one. Windows Phone ten only had a slight advantage. I don't know which one's better because Windows Phone eight typed better, but Windows Phone ten had the um the the nipple mouse from the thinkpads they added it to the keyboard as like a directional control thing which is genius by the way like everyone needs to copy that because it's basically like a button right that you just swipe up down left right on it when you tap it and it'll move the cursor in that direction which needs i'm surprised no one has copied that yet but so in terms of like swipe keyboards and regular keyboards windows phone any iteration a1 Wordflow, great um gboard on android i'm gonna say is number two gboard has a pretty good swiping limitation way better than ios's and then you know third is the iphone keyboard right um, and then 27th is the default samsung one which is hot garbage <laughs> but you know i have uh never found swiping to be a particularly in like i mean i know some people really like like people some people are really good at it and they really like that swipe style of typing on touchscreen keyboards that I can see the advantage, but to me it's like it's it's too much of a cognitive difference from how I've been typing. So I'm I'm just using the tap the normal tap method of typing on a on a touchscreen keyboard. You know, I'm just thinking what's working for me. Uh, I'm not trying going to try and swipe because it feels like I'm going to just make a bunch of typos and I'm going to send like some weird message that makes no sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's the keyboard. And, right? and honestly, I think that's like pretty much it for stuff we want to talk about on the iPhone side because Shortcuts got an update, but I, we really don't. Is as a whole, there's too much in Shortcuts for us to go over. If you want to read about the Shortcuts and automation changes, go read the Mac Stories review by Federico uh, because he goes into a lot of detail, of a lot of detail. Trust me when I say it's a it's a lot of detail. If you want to read about that, we're gonna link we're gonna link to the Mac Stories review and and a couple other reviews of iOS. Uh, I I I, I, was, I read through the skimmed through the most of the uh, Mac Stories review, and it's good. Uh, so if you want if you want details on shortcuts uh, and automation and HomeKit. And uh, that stuff, just, just go read Federico's review. It's it's very good. Uh, yeah. There's also a new Find My app, but that's just like consolidating Find My Phone to Find My Friends. However, before we go over to the big iPad stuff, I want to know, what do you think about the new share sheet? It's kind of cool, actually. I like it. It's 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 more uh, dynamic, right? Like it, it, it has like your frequent contacts, right? Like the, the people you send stuff to, uh, like in messages. And I think that is pretty cool because most of the time you when you sh- want to share something it's actually just sending stuff via messages so uh it's cool i like it it's uh it's neat uh so that's that that's the share uh sheet yeah yeah so, i would say it's just um quickly on the share sheet right now it only shows like iMessage um people that you can like send stuff to and in theory if telegram and other apps are updated to support it um, I only say Telegram because Telegram actually follows iOS APIs and Discord and Wire will never. Uh, not to chat up Discourse, but... <laughs> but you could also get people and threads from there to show up. 
So right now, it seems like it's pretty Apple-centric. Because basically, when you open the share sheet, it'll show you options for how you're sharing it and what you're sharing. Below it, it shows a list of people you can send it to. And like I said, right now, it's only iMessage folks. And that's just because other apps haven't been updated yet to support the new share sheet. And then it'll show actions that it thinks you want to do on it, right? So like in machine learns, it does like actions relevant relevant to that piece of content, right? So like a text file, if an app can work with text files, it'll say, hey, maybe open it in this app. And, and, you know, and, and so on for various forms of, of content. It'll try and intelligently predict where you'd want to share it into. Like, okay. So, I mean, you say that, but then I'm like, I, 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 I am, I was trying it like just now, uh, like a link in Safari, like, uh, I want to share it. It's the first option is airdrop, airdrop. Um, that's questionable. Like messages. Yeah. Mail reminders, notes, like notes would probably be my first guess. Uh, well, so for me, if I open something at Safari, right? So like I have a web page open. First option is airdrop, the messages, mail, telegram, discord, Facebook messenger, reminders. And then for my options below hand, I have copy, add reading list, bookmarks, um, markup stuff. And then one password is like the very last one. So it just depends on on the form of, of content. And and obviously, the more apps that are updated to support iOS 13, the better it's supposed to get. Also, I know like we we went we went past automation on shortcuts, but I want to talk about like one thing that I use is the is like uh, I use a read later shortcut, right? Which what it does is because I don't use Safari's reading list, right? I use Pinboard, so I need I need something to add links to Pinboard directly from Safari. And I have like a read later in the actions list, right? Uh, so you can have like shortcuts in the actions list. Uh, so I have a read later there and you just tap it. It just sends the link to Pinboard, which is, you know, pretty cool. So just, just, you know, just a little thing, a little shortcut. It's not, it's not, a, it's like one available in the, in the shortcuts gallery. So, you know, go try that out. Uh, oh, speaking about shortcuts too, we actually should mention you can now do the, um, Spotify and Siri with the shortcuts because you could basically apps can add their own like audio playback shortcuts, right? So it is awkward. You kind of have to do like Spotify play or Spotify pause or actually not for play and pause. Play and pause will work for any media, but to play a song, right? You have to say, hey, blah, play, um, play, I don't know, by death grips in Spotify. (laughs) Don't, don't play that song by it. If you don't know what death grips is, probably. Uh, probably not yeah i mean but you, you have to say like in spotify for it to work but you can now get audio apps and such to work and apps can um you can add those like specific siri um shortcuts in 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 shortcuts itself rather than having to go to like some weird menu and settings to do it which i think is pretty pretty good and a pretty well a welcomed um ui update yeah for sure for sure uh shortcuts i mean it's one of those things that are I hope it keeps getting better because it, it does add a lot of flexibility if you're a power user, right? Uh, for sure. Uh, very cool. Obviously gets into it. Um, let's talk about iPadOS. I think I, like iPadOS is the thing to talk about this year. Says as we're 45 minutes into the show. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we like, it's this just a lot to talk about. Uh, iPadOS, the first thing is the new home screen, right? Uh, the first thing you'll notice straight away is the more icon dense home screen and this is the i think this is the first time that ios has gotten a home screen refresh since never like i think i don't think ios has um 
like the the number of icons on a, on, a, on an iPad screen, like it hasn't changed since the iPad launched, right? So this is the first time the number of icons on a, a iPad home screen has changed. Uh, you can you can bring up the what is it the, the today view, right? Uh, the oh no not the, the widget today, screen, which yeah screen. you can have yeah. it um, be persistent uh, now. Yes, which is which is cool uh, and. You can like pin widgets, right? You can have like different widgets. Uh, you can scroll through them, uh, keep on home screen, or you can just, if you don't want to keep it on home screen, you can just like, you can just slide to the right, right? And it'll come up. Uh, so, what do you think? About, like, you, you, you don't have an iPad, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't like a, have an iPad. So, we're kind of, we're kind of relying on you for this one because I've seen videos of it, but I've used the gesture navigation model and the such, but like, you know, I don't live with it, right? So I really can't say how good or bad it is. So this is where, what do you think about like the whole, the new windowing system and all of, all of those power user, not power users, I guess, but like more computery bits that they added into iPad OS? I think they are all very cool, but I will never use them. Uh, it's because I don't use the iPad in that like sort of way, like uh, where I would need multiple. Like I, I like I don't need window management in in my in my iPad because I don't I don't use the iPad like that. Like I use it for media stuff and the re- more recently playing video games on it. Uh, it, it, it I don't need uh, like, but I do think it's kind of cool how the side by side like how you can have multiple windows of like the same app. Right. This this seems like every every desk every Linux user listening to a podcast is like, bro, what do you like? This is just normal windowing but okay uh it's it's kind of cool how you can have like like two mail windows right you can have like oh you can you can view like uh, an email you can also be composing an email at the same time side by side and i think that's that's actually probably the biggest multitasking feature they could have added i think that is pretty damn cool uh safari on uh on ios uh, on ipad os rather uh is it's good because it's desktop mode Safari, basically. It's basically just the stuff you get at Mac OS with less bugs. Uh, so it's like you get you get to use Google Docs and things like that on 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 iPad uh, in Safari. Uh, but yeah, it's like expose. They added basically expose for iPad OS. Like they just redesigned like expose the the Mac OS feature uh, onto onto the iPad. Uh, other than that, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this. Like honestly, it, does, like, it doesn't like it's not it's not for me. Like that's that's what I keep saying. It's like the the multitasking features uh, are cool, but you, they are entirely optional, right? You don't have to use any of them. Uh, you could just keep using it the whole way, and it'll work just fine. Well, do you think though? Do you think that even though they're not for you, do you think that these features now make like say maybe not the cheap iPad, but like and maybe the iPad Air, iPad Pro, like a suitable computer for folks who don't use those spe- you know those special um, productivity software like you know like Logic or Final Cut or Blender or anything like that, right? Like no, like for not pro work cases, but like say like you know someone who works at an office does like data entry for the most part, like email and the such. Like do you do you think that an iPad is now like a proper like computing device that's suitable for yes, that but yes yes but also there's a learning curve i think federico mentions this uh it's it's a lot of things that you have to remember like it's it's one of the thing is one of the things is the window management in uh, the, this ipad os version is 
it's like you have to remember how you arranged your windows because the OS won't. Uh, there's like, no like overview mode where it like neatly lets you. Well, like like in Mac, like uh, in GNOME, right? Can't you search for windows when you go into the overview mode in GNOME 3? Or like Windows 10, right? If you have the multiple desktops views, you, you, or at least you have the timeline, which is kind of buggy, but at least that like, gives you like a historical view of things. So there's no like historical view and like you can't remember. Like say if you open like two notes, Win two notes, like like two notes basically, and like you forget where the notes is. Like it's like, did I open that already? Like if I if I open that again, it'll actually close the one that I opened before. So it's like you have to you have to keep that cognitive load in mind, right? Like when when you like if if you're gonna go like if you're gonna go full Federico and use the iPad as as your primary computer, it's it's doable, right? You can learn it, but there is definitely there's definitely like a learning curve. It's like learning a new text editor for the first time, right? You're, you're trying to figure out if the first thing you're obviously going to try to figure out is all the shortcuts, right? Like all, no, it's all the gestures, like all, there are a bunch of new gestures. Well, there's also shortcuts too, right? Because all of this can be done with a keyboard. Cause we, it's important to know. I, iPad OS 13 does add keyboard and mouse support. Well, keyboard support's been there, but it greatly expands on the keyboard shortcuts and you can now probably use a mouse. So at the very least you can use this with a keyboard and, and get that done. But it, but I doubt it doesn't help just because of how it's designed, not in a way that gives you like, proper window management mm-hmm. so like like for, like for example like uh Farrakh mentions there are five different ways to open windows three different ways to open expo- expose and like there are four different apps slash window pickers so it, like it is it is complicated it has become complex and if you're i mean if you're if you're going to go into it as as like a new user it's going to suddenly be a daunting tasks just i mean you can slowly start learning it but like over time you can you sort of figure out all the little nitpicks but like it definitely is not a, like a, it's not gonna be a smooth like straightforward experience straight away like it's not that intuitive uh yet and you know what would fix this though what adding a desktop a taskbar you mean like, or like a, a task like, like a proper well they kind of i that's the issue of ios right like my joke about the desktop aside it's that mac os right it has the dock but the dock really isn't where you manage tasks, right? It's where you, if you do the um, mish control gesture, it gives you an overview of open windows and spatially where they live at, right? Mm, yes. So, yes. so where uh, what I think it's better for iOS to do, iPad OS, because right now, I've if you open multitasking, right, it shows everything in the same view, regardless of if they're split windows, right? If they're um, expose like desktops created with multiple apps running in them, they all get bundled in together. What would make sense to do is like how it is on macOS, where you have full screen apps and apps that are um, split screen or whatever, right, together in one specific desktop at the top, and then free floating windows, you know, just random apps that are open live below that in their own list, and I think that would help split up the cognitive load. Yeah, I mean, I I think that kind of stuff is coming to the next version of iPadOS. I feel like this is the first this like this iPadOS release is like them actually forking the road right right and right so and i think from from next next year's ipad OS wish is where i would really be looking out for like more intuitive and smoother gestures or like uh like better like stuff to reduce the cognitive load of managing multiple windows right like window management essentially right things that make window management easier that it has existed on desktop OS 
OSs for decades now, right? So it's like try to recreate that on that. It's this. This is not going to happen on this initial release. It's going to happen, I think, probably the next release. Uh, so it's still not there yet. But if you're like if you're looking to learn a new UI paradigm, or you know, relearn a UI paradigm, well, there's always uh, iPad OS. So and it's still yeah. still better than a. Than Android. I mean, that's, I have to that's point it out. I, 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 so I would I, say, I, I, let's, I think actually, I think a better place to compare iPad OS is Windows on tablets. Like Windows 10 specific tablet mode, right? Because if you break it to desktop mode, you get all of this. But I actually think now with, with this sort of view, Windows, iPad OS is now like on par of Windows 10 tablet mode. Which is not which is not me like sliding iPad OS or Windows 10 tablet mode because both of those are perfectly functional for touchscreen devices. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to what what happens going forward and how it improves because I do think it's it's very interesting how how they essentially translating UI paradigms that are that were dis- like like the the desktop UI paradigms that are designed for mouse and keyboard to a touchscreen device with with, with which necessarily which does not necessarily have a keyboard or or, or a pointing device attached at all times, right? So it's, it's an interesting. Definitely a di- difficult, a different, definitely a challenge because it's it's not easy as you think it is. Uh, a lot of things you take for granted on desktop OSs are just it's just not, it doesn't work on on touchscreens. Uh... So that's iPad OS. Uh, if you want more details, as always, I keep saying this because it is true. Go read Federico's review. Federico uses an iPad as his main computer. Uh, so he knows he knows all the details. He's been using it. Uh, he, he he has a whole page on how complex this stuff is and all that. <laughs> yeah, and and definitely there's still a lot of like places that these OSs need to be improved upon for for these like pro work places, right? Like, um, even though now we can use flash drives, you still like it's still you still can't do like a podcasting right where you capture audio from one application and then record it to another. Like any any sort of like real advanced content creation out of basic stuff still is pretty impossible. And and now too, it's like not even a hardware limitation. It's purely software. So I, hopefully with the next release, Apple just, you know, starts taking on some of those because like the ipad pro especially got this year's ipad pro with the new with the new chip with, with this year's chips in them like you could you could honestly like sh- like run run like a youtube channel for like let's play videos right and like edit all that hardware wise but the software isn't there right like you could genuinely plug in like a USB-C elgato capture card and like record that into iMovie, make a video off of it, but voice cast that you made in another app and put it on YouTube. Hardware wise, just the software makes it a pain in the ass to do. So there's definitely a lot of like of areas to improve there. Um and and speaking about areas to improve, before we move on to our next bit, um we, we just want to go over the mail app in, in iOS and iPad OS thirteen. <sighs> okay. <sighs> I you know you know, honestly, like I, I'm a uh, I, I like I understand these these OSs are complex beasts and uh, like bugs are, are a thing in any software, uh, especially any software as complex as an operating system. Uh, but like I've been seeing consistent bugs in in mail where it it essentially fails to sync. Basically, the sync daemon or whatever I don't know what it is that is failing, but is it just doesn't sync. So what happens is like I, I say I delete like I see an email on my desktop uh, on the fast mail web UI and I I delete the email 
and then I launch mail on my phone or my, on my iPad, uh, and the mail is still there. And it's like that is not supposed to happen. Like it, it, it basically should disappear basically within seconds. And is this in um, your Fastmail account or is this in your Gmail account or your Google Fast Mail? Fastmail. Uh, it's all Fastmail. Uh, it's and this is this has this is this is a new problem because like this obviously has worked in iOS twelve and before. Uh, the mail should disappear basically within seconds because uh, Fastmail accounts support Apple Push, right? So it's basically immediate. Uh, so yeah, the mail doesn't disappear, and furthermore, if you if you just do a pull to refresh, it doesn't do anything, right? So what I have to do is I go back to the Fastmail web UI on my desktop and I clear out my folder, which forces another sync, and then that clears like that actually syncs the changes on to the mail app, which is which is not good. Like that's that's obviously something is broken. There's something is failing. Like maybe the maybe the sync demon is crashing or something. I don't know. Uh, I hope this gets fixed because it's a very annoying bug. It's essentially like my mail client lying to me about actions that I've already taken, right? Like, so it's like, did I delete that mail? Did I read that? Like, I already read that, didn't I? Like, it's like, yeah, it's very bad. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. And then sometimes uh, the table view just breaks. I don't know if you ran into that one before. I, I don't think I've run into that, but it sounds entirely possible at this point. Uh, so many bugs. Uh, we're going to talk about watchOS next, and I had a kind of watchOS bug. So let's talk about watchOS, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so watchOS 6 came out to Series 3 and onwards, although Series 1 and 2 are getting support, but it's not ready yet, and there's no official, there's no official launch date for watchOS 6 on the older devices, which is interesting. But um, I have a Series 3, so I was able to install watchOS. You have a new watch we'll talk about definitely in a little bit. So you're able to, you obviously came at watchOS, and... I need to say one thing. They fucking ruined the list view. It looks so ugly now. It looks... I, I literally switched back to the honeycomb view because I do not like it. No, no, so, no. I, I hate the honeycomb view even more. So it's like a choice between two shitty views. Yeah, it's both bad. It's like, but which one do I pick? So just, yeah. uh, just for listeners, um, before... um, So to get to like the all app screen on a watch, you tap the digital crown, it'll take you to the app screen. It was like this weird honeycomb view, which are just like little circles of icons on a grid, which are really hard to point at as you can... Or touch, as you can imagine. And they... In watchOS 4, I believe, they switched it to a list view, which is just a vertical list. You know, you scroll through them of apps. And, and, and it was, you know, um, each app was like in a box. It would just have the icon and the name of it. And, you know, you scroll through the boxes and you tap on the one you want. Everything was like same size, same on, on like a little grid table view. It looked really good. And it was perfectly functional. And then on watchOS 6, <laughs> they changed the app view to be a, on a black screen, a list of the app icons with bolded um bolded app names next to it with no background and no indication on if you where you can tap on what i like on which ones you, um the, the one app you want or the next one because beforehand right it was clearly defined boxes that had the app name and icon you tap on the box open the app now there's no box there just a list of words and icons and it looks ugly and it's extremely difficult to figure out where you need to tap to open the app itself it's i i this is i don't there's definitely going to be a screenshot of it as this um chapter's uh, uh, chapter art so you yeah you like, I'm, 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 I'm just, i just like did, i just opened this on my watch and it's like but why why was this why was this changed the best part about it too is that like the font size has become too big and too bold that most of my app names are truncated now they don't fit on the screen i get the m dash like for what i get one pass dash word on a new line oh my god that's <laughs> so, so bad. bad that that is so bad apple please 
for the love of God, stop redesigning what was already fine. Like I, I don't, I don't like sometimes. I sometimes you know how that people joke that designers redesign things just you know like just because they're bored or something. Like this feels like a designer just changed this because they were bored. Uh, man, it didn't need to be changed. Uh, I don't understand it's why. It's so bad and I hate it so much. And the worst part about it is that the honeycomb view is so much worse. <laughs> yeah, honeycomb view is just bad. Like they don't even like, they don't even show that during like keynotes or whatever. Like they just don't show it. Like, like new watches, I think new watches come out by default on the list. View. Yeah, it's like they they, they don't want to they don't want they probably want they probably going to remove it at some point, but like it's, it's still there, but it it's clearly not liked by anyone. Uh, it's not good. It's not the honeycomb design was never never good. Like that was that's bad. So uh, besides that though, which watchOS six adds, it adds a new cycle tracking app, uh, cycle tracking app rather for um, periods and for fertility tracking. Yes, uh, and you have to turn it on, uh, enable it from your from health on on, on the on the iPhone. Yeah. Uh, and and me and Static will have a lot to say about this just because we don't we are not people who get periods, but it is definitely a useful tool. And I'm really the problem with tech blogging is that so many of these reviews are written by men that I really or sorry, not let me rephrase that, are written by people who um don't get periods, mostly cis men, right? But like I'm really looking for a review written by, you know, someone Yes, who, there is oh, one there actually. Is? Uh yeah, there was uh it's actually linked in the Mac Stories Watch OS six review. Like the reviewer says that uh the, the, he's not qualified. So he links to Lori Gill uh over on iMore who wrote uh, uh like uh like basically like a how how cycle tracking works and like all the features and like goes in depth into it. Like, so there's a link in there uh, on iMore. Uh, so if you want to read about that, the, it's, it's over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. So, so we'll ch- I'll ch- definitely check that out just because um, since, since all these tech reviews are written by cis men and, and there's like, and no, no trans folk who get periods or like no cis women who get periods who actually, who usually write about computers because yay diversity. So it's kind of hard when it comes to these features to gauge how good they are. The, the, uh, the the Ars Technica review was written by Valentina, and she only mentioned it like slightly. She didn't go into detail about it. So, uh, like, if, if you want to like detail it overview, just go check out Die More. It's by Lori Gill. Uh, so that's cycle tracking, and I'm glad actually that it, this is a feature that was announced. What else is there? Uh, There's the independent app store now, so you can now install apps on from the on the watch. And you could also get, um, you could also make watch apps that are independent from an iPhone and don't need like a parent iPhone app. Oh yeah, there was uh, a link to uh, David Smith's new Moon uh, Moon Plus Moon Plus, app. right? Moon Plus Plus. Is it called Moon Plus Plus? I don't know. I, 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 I'm not sure it's called Moon Plus Plus, but uh, it is called David Smith. Yeah, it's called Moon Plus Plus. Um, it is a better lunar complication uh, for your watch. Essentially, the lunar there's a there's a co- like built-in Apple complication that shows you uh, what the moon looks like, but it's actually inaccurate. Like it doesn't show you what the moon actually looks like on in your region, uh, or like it, it doesn't show like the actual. And it's it's weird. Uh, so like David, uh, David in his typical fashion uh, wrote uh, a watchOS complication. And it is watchOS only, obviously. It's it's uh, and it is pretty cool. And it's also written entirely in Swift UI, uh, which is which is another thing. If if you're a developer, you probably care about that more. So also as well, um, I just tried to buy an app that was like a dollar on the um, watchOS App Store, 
And I'm now going to send you a photo of what the flow for that looks like. How do you think you uh, how do you think you authenticate a purchase on the watch? Let's let me just take a guess before I send you these pictures. Password? It doesn't make you enter a password. Let's uh, let's find out. Oh my god! I I, I don't. Uh... <laughs> and how do you think it makes you enter a new password? Oh, oh my god, Apple! Why? What is and the this? thing is too right. So I'm gonna try and pay for it with my phone unlocked and open just to see if it'll ask me to do this on my phone. So we'll see here. I'm going to tap the $1 one. Nope. It's completely done on the watch. Oh my God. Which Apple is terrible no. because I have a 20 something, like 30 something, one password password to my Apple password. My Apple password is randomly generated and it's like some long, long string. And I'm not typing that on a fucking watch. Like Apple, no. Apple, it's please. as bad as you think it is. But, um, but installing free apps works pretty well. So if I install, like I'm going to install a diet tracker app. Why not? So this one's a free one. We're going to go to the app store. Does not take that bad a load. Actually, like the the view on the app page is pretty great. So let's go ahead and hit get app. And let's see if it'll just automatically it. Oh, no. It makes you sign into the app store for free purchases, too. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. I mean, it probably same thing as the phone where you have to, uh, you have to sign in once and then authenticate it afterwards. But I'm definitely not doing that while we're this, on air. That's this is this is what, like I have not launched the app store on my on my new watch. And I, I don't want it at this point. Like what? I'll just I'll just leave that. I'll, I'll I'll just forget that exists because that's just that's bad. So outside uh, of the app store, which works well until you try to buy something, you have audiobooks, which is pretty good for you know books. Um, a calculator now is there, which yes, is great. Calculator, it's good. Yeah, we um, have find people, so you can find your friends. I don't know anyone who actually uses that. Um, <laughs> noise, noise tracking, like noise. Uh, not on my watch, noise. on yours, the newer one. Yeah, Series four yes. onwards. Yes, uh, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. I've noticed too that um, the watch has gotten faster. This is a faster OS update. Things are snappier. Things open quicker. So there's not a whole lot user facing. There's a couple new watch faces, which is mostly on only for your watch because you have the newer screen size and only yes. support that screen size. Yes. Yes. But there's a lot of um, stuff added here that only really affects newer watches. Series three and below don't get them. But at the very least, I do get the speed improvements and the app store and some of the new apps. Um, I don't believe that. Um, that there's a, there's a bug right now where third party apps on the Siri face are not working. Like if you have a like you know the the generated Siri watch face right where it acts where if you have third party apps they can integrate with it. Apparently right now there's like a bug where it doesn't work out of the box. You have to do some weird trick of disabling the app and re-enabling it to get it to work. So hopefully Apple fixes that soon. But um, I at least on my watch um battery drain hasn't been that bad but i've also been i've seen a lot of people report that battery drain has been a real issue with this with watch os 6 and ios 13 yeah it has it, it has it has been for me and let's let's talk about let's, let's get into my new watch here uh the series 5 uh this is the uh aluminum 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 um, forty. What is it? The bigger size. What is forty four millimeters? Uh, 40, 40 mm, 44 millimeters. Um, at this time I went with the. Uh, so this time you can make your own sort of like you can choose which band you want. So I chose the uh, Milanese loop this time around just to give it a shot. Uh, and like the first thing the I noticed out of the box is the display is. Um, like really, really good. Like it's, it's a huge upgrade from the series two that I had, right? Like the display is clearer, it gets brighter, right? And it's, it just looks much, much nicer. Uh, 
uh, the vibrate. Uh, one thing I noticed is the vibration motor is is different. Like it feels different from the series two. It's like a slightly different vibration. Is it a better vibration though? <sighs> it's I I don't I, I wouldn't qualify it as better. It's just different. What well, did you just, come from an aluminum series two or yes, steel? Yeah, aluminum. Oh, okay. Uh, bo- because bo- I know that aluminum. um, do, depending on what material you get, the vibrations different, right? Because vibrations work different on stainless steel and titanium and ceramic than they do on aluminum. So depending on what actually finish you get, it affects the taptic engine just because, right? That you know, sounds move through materials are different. They vibrate out differently. Yeah, so uh, I like like I am uh, like I like the aluminum one. Like it's it's not a big deal for me. I don't like aluminum is has been fine for me. I don't like it's expensive to buy the other ones too. Like it's it's really expensive already. Uh, I I like the Melanie's loop. It's it's an interesting uh, watch band. Uh, I I would say I I think it's slightly worse than the sports bands because it, it's like the slight like grooves in the material like gets like hair gets stuck under it it's like it's not great uh so just just a heads up uh what else uh always the the big one everybody i almost forgot is the is the always on display uh it's you know it's it's kind of strange. It's like I, I'm I, like at first when I got it, I was like, "This is weird." Like it's like I'm not used to the displays staying on. So, uh, so there's a for people who are worried about uh, sensitive information being shown on the face uh, while that is turned on. There's an option in in in, uh, in the, uh, the watch app on iOS in settings to t- you to turn on turn it on and it'll hide sensitive complications like calendar entries. Uh, messages, health information, right? It'll hide that, and it's not on by default, right? It's it's turned. You have to go go and turn it on. Uh, it's just uh, another heads up. Uh, battery life wise, it's actually on par with my Series Two, which is I, I was not expecting. I was expecting the Series Five to actually have a slightly better battery life, uh, and that might be due to a bug, right? Because you should be getting more just due to how old the battery is in the yeah, series. Exactly, too. exactly. And I feel like I feel like there's some bugs causing drains. Like when I when I first got this watch, I was on iOS 13.0 and uh watch OS 6 is always on the watch. Uh and there was a bug where like like some apps wouldn't sync properly, like OmniFocus, the OmniFocus complication wouldn't work because like it was like Launched the iOS app first. Obviously, uh, that was a bug. Uh, that was like fixed with iOS thirteen point one. It's fine now. And I in iOS thirteen point uh, in in watchOS six thirteen point one, I noticed another bug. So we're talking about more bugs here, uh, where I couldn't pull down the notification uh, menu from the drawer for the top and the and the control center. Uh, Draw for the bottom, so like it was like basically stuck, right? Like there's like springboard frozen, uh, and I had to just restart the watch to fix that, like stuff like that, right? Uh, I haven't had any other bugs, uh, but like if there's performance issues, like like batteries, the battery drain bugs, uh, I would hope they get fixed because battery battery drain right now is is, is not great. I mean, even though it's not a big problem for me. Because you know, I, I spend most of my time at home, and it's not like a big deal if the battery's like slightly worse. But like, it's, it's not great either. Um, but people else? are saying too, right? That with it, that um, people are they're getting say 
less than they did on the Series 4, which technically has the same processor in it, minus that just a display controller. So I think that's why the, that's the important bit. But I honestly, I think it's a bug that should get fixed because a lot of people are saying, watch OS 6.1. I saw a lot on Reddit. People are like, this fixes all the issues you're having with their Series 5. And so I think that that'll hopefully get that. Oh man, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot wait for six point one. Like I want to see what this watch actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, perform. I haven't had any performance issues. Like it's fast. It's fast mm-hmm. as hell. Faster than your series two, right? Yeah, definitely much, much faster. It's like I have noticed any lag, like animation lag, or like uh, any other lag. It's like hella fast. Uh, the scrolling is fast. Like it's, it's the animation is smooth. Yeah, and I mean, like the series three is still the same way. Everything is at sixty frames per second. I've I've not have not had any drops on um Watch OS six. And the thing too, the, the part that's most annoying is right, like this in iOS thirteen, so much of what's new requires third party developers to update their apps. Cause like the Swift UI stuff, right? There's a lot of apps that can be written to Swift UI. There's a lot of apps that can you sign with Apple. There's one that I tried for the first time, like I didn't even care about it. It was like a credit card tracker. I just wanted to see how signing with Apple works. And it works really good because it's basically like on the phone, right? It shows up like an Apple Pay message at the bottom. And it's like, do you want to sign up Apple? You press yes. And then it says, do you want to hide your email address, show your email address, and what name do you want to give the developer? You hit next, and you have to authenticate a fingerprint or face ID, and you're good to go. On the watch, it's very similar. So it's it's definitely like you know getting that support, getting some of the Swift UI stuff, getting some of the independent app stuff. All of that's just going to require third-party devs to update their apps. And if Apple has buggy release cycles and buggy dev tools, then that's a little bit of an issue. So I don't think we're going to see like how beneficial this watchOS update is for a couple months until 6.1 comes out and and a lot of apps start to update because a, a huge move at this was just for independence. But I don't think either you don't have a, G, a cellular model, right? You only have the GPS one. No, this is a GPS. Yeah, this is just because I'm not a fan of giving care like carriers more money in my uh, and I have no need. Actually, like, like I cannot even think of a need where I would need like uh, my watch to be independent, like in a, in a connectivity sense. Uh, like, it, cellular doesn't make sense for me. Uh, but I know people who who it does make sense for. Uh, and like, I don't know. It's it's fine. Uh, what 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 was your question actually? Like, you like is like the GPS versus cellular. Uh, yeah, I was thinking which one do you you see? You don't have the you only have yeah, GPS, no, yeah. it's it's GPS, GPS. It's just GPS. Right. Have you tried any other. new watch faces though, like the California one or anything like that? What do you think about the new watch faces? Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so the one of the new ones that I get with with Series Five, it's actually not new to the Series Five, but it's it's new to me because I was on the Series Two. Is the Infograph Modular? Ooh, uh, I've heard a, I've heard good things about that one. I like this one a lot. It has like I like the little three three dot like three complications on the bottom thing and like the calendar like i have a calendar and like the date and the and the, and the time it's, it's, it's really nice I like, it has the right amount of detail it's not too busy uh and it, it, it's nice and clean i like that um the the numerals ones like the ones that are like uh like the, the meridian i think that it's called like the 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 the, the analog watch faces with with the complications like four complications or three complications like I'm not a fan of those like I, I've never liked those. Uh, I mean that's 
that's like that's and this is also too if you listen if anyone here listened to this week's atp it's exactly what they say but like it's something that i really agree with is that the apple watch is a bad analog watch but it's a really good digital watch yeah it's like i i, I wouldn't like i i have a digital like i've worn digital watches ever since i had a i've worn wrist watches like casio casio wrist watches by the way um uh, those are all digital. Like I've been wearing digital Casio wristwatches for ages, and I prefer digital wristwatches. And the watch, the Apple Watch, is a really good digital watch. Uh, I would did not uh, put a, a watch face that is an analog, an analog like watch face, essentially like with with the with the hands, like the the, the numerals, uh, the uh, the. Um, what is it? The California Dial, right? Like, I like, why would I pretend that it's an analog watch? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I know some people just prefer the aesthetic. Like, some people, or not, not even aesthetic. Like, some people read time easier when it's in analog form, right? Uh, I know that's a thing. Uh, but like, I, I personally, I'm, I'm not a big huge fan of those. Like, I would still prefer like if Apple gave us more customization options for watch third faces, party watch like, faces, third party watch faces. Third watch faces. I. I know, like other people are more like asked for this for a long time. I'm not too usually like I have a couple watch faces that I use, uh, and I, I leave those turned on. I'm not like huge into customization, but like I know there are some people definitely do that. Uh, I'm the exact opposite when it comes to watch faces because I, I, I ha- I'm of the mind that the uh, Siri watch face is the best one because in my like an ideal world, every time I look at the watch, it's just show me shit that's relevant and important instead of like a predefined set of them. I, it doesn't work that way, right? Like, but but like I ideally, I would want it to be every time I look at the screen, there should be something relevant and important for me just waiting there, and it figures it out on its own. And then I have another watch face, which I call in the club, which is just an XL time. It's just when I'm like at the club, it is just like a nice color of just the XL time, and that's at it. The cl- in the club, okay, that, that's a good one. I like that because um, I don't need anything else. I'm at the club, then I know what time is it and how do I get home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, that's a straight fashion. Straight. Fashion. Um, no changes to the Siri watch face in watchOS 6. Well, uh, it's apparently is, now more things can plug into it, but like I said, there's that bug popping up right now where third-party apps don't work with it. So, it's see, like that's what I'm saying. A lot of the fruits of watchOS 13 either won't come until watch honestly, watch 13, watchOS 13, watchOS 6. Watch 6 won't <laughs> yeah. even come until either watchOS 7 hits when SwiftUI gets more mature, or until E6.1 hits and developers are more comfortable updating their apps for it. Because I know you had that issue of OmniFocus and the watch app not working, right? That was resolved in 13.1, or did that get resolved? Yeah, it's, it, when I updated the 13.1, it just, it just fixed itself. It's fine. Uh, I I don't I don't know if it was just like some syncs things was stuck on the on iOS like it felt like like the iOS sync was broken it was broken on the iOS and felt like um and like when 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 I updated thirteen point one it just started working uh so so yeah I mean OmniFocus is one of those complications that I use a lot so for it to be broken is actually kind of annoying it's 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 like one of the things like I actually launched that comp- like the app from the complication fairly often uh so. So there, there's that. Uh, yeah, and I think so. I think that's it for Watch OS. Watch OS, yeah. I think that's Watch OS. I think overall it's like a small, like it's a more iterative update for Watch, right? For just physical hardware and the uh, and the Watch OS itself, right? Yeah, it's and you know, a, it, it's a pretty small one. I think it's setting important groundwork. And honestly, 
compared to Wear OS. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, you know, it's the worst part. The worst part about Wear OS not being good is that I'll never be able to make like a Watch the Throne joke and have it be relevant. Because like there could be like so many good like Watch the Throne puns if Google actually cared about Wear OS. Oh my god. Oh um, my god. But speaking about the good good things that are apparent that for surprisingly are better than the Google version of them, Apple Arcade. Because this week as well, um Google launched their Play Pass, which includes games on the Play Store that no one app purchases, nothing like that. Um Google's attempt, though, has existing games, not new games, which is interesting. So Google's Play Pass, it gets you games that are already out, games like Stardew Valley, Limbo, Terraria, and it gives them to you, you know, when you pay that. It's $2 a month right now for the first year, and then it's going to turn to $5 a month afterwards when that promotion ends. Um, And Apple Arcade right now has a one-month trial, and then it's $5 a month afterwards. And Google Play Pass, we don't really need to talk about much because it's existing games right you know the games like they're pretty recognizable games stardew valley makes sense some apps are included but apple arcade's interesting because they're all exclusives to mobile and like most of these games are really fucking good well uh, some of them are not, uh, like yeah exclusives to mobile but not exclusive like uh there are some of the games that are available on other platforms yeah right? like hot lava is on steam um cyanar wild hearts i believe is also on steam actually and on it, um switch. It's, all, it's, all, it's on ps4 and switch not it's not on pc yet I think. oh okay uh, okay yeah so so yeah so uh there are three games we want to talk about right uh so we have uh i, oh, I should have mentioned the 499 a month it's also by default a family subscription right so if you have people in in, in, in the the iCloud family thing, family sharing thing. Your everybody else gets Apple Arcade. Oh, so did you did you share it with your family then? Do you have like a family? You know, thing you, know, you, know, what was, you know what happened? Like I I I signed up for the trial. My brother was like, "Did you sign up for Apple Arcade?" Because I got a notification uh, that yeah. So like you know, it's it's it happens automatically. I I forgot that it was a family thing until he mentioned it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's cool. Um, so it's definitely a thing. It's a good thing for families because you can just you know have the iPad and like. Have the games on it and stuff like that. And people have it on their phones or their Apple TV and all of that. Um, and it does work with Apple RT, uh, Apple TV user switching with TVOS um, 13. So it works actually pretty well. Because um, when I signed in to write to... Because right now, it was just my my parents who are on the Apple TV. And I added my Apple account just to try out the user switching. And immediately, what the Golf downloaded onto it and was playable, which is pretty cool. Uh, so what the Golf... Let's start with that. Uh, it is. Uh, it is... It is. How do I describe this? It's a. It's a, it's a it's an eccentric golf game. Uh, it's it, a golf game where you basically need to hit the flag with whatever you got, whatever they give you. Yeah, because like yeah. I, the thing is too, I I would want to say that um, spoiler horn is actually going to go here because this is a game that's best gone into blind. Yeah, yeah, for real. And it, the tagline on the on the arcade page is "Golf for people who hate golf." Uh, so you know that that's pretty good. Uh, it's very it's accurate. very accurate. <laughs> but um, so with what the golf, essentially, you are just whatever inanimate object that the game gives you, and you have to get to the end of a course and hit the flag or the goal. And it starts off like golf, right? Where you toss the golf ball, you get the hole in one, you're good. And then the, immediately after, it it you go ahead. It's like here's another golf lever. Like oh, okay, let's do this again. This seems pretty fun. And instead of launching the ball into the air, it launches the person golfing into the air, and you have to hit him against the flag. And yeah, and the, and the variety of levels is very good. And the the it's a visual aesthetic, like the design is very 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 nice. 
very com- very nice. It's very uh, comical and very great. One of my um favorite levels is when you're a you're like a sticky ball and you have to go to like the end of the level. It switches to a 2D plane and when you get to the end of the level and you hit the flag finally, it just says stick. <laughs> instead of hole in one <laughs> yep it's very good there are the, the variety of levels the music in the game is also very good by the way i think yeah, the, the i think the music is, is really nice uh it's, it's a good game uh it's it's a really fun game uh and, and i don't read app store reviews but the app store reviews for this are, are also pretty glowing so you know uh, so that's that and there's no no and that purchase bs right you could just play the game and that's it which is honestly great and refreshing for a mobile game it's 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 it's, it's just it's just a game it's it's just a fun game it's 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 uh it's good uh it does get hard by the way like if you, it's it sounds fun but it does get a little bit challenging as the levels go on so you know if you're if you're you know if you're gonna play this uh be aware of that uh it's also it's, it has a great mode on the on the, the on the launch screen of the game where you can get back into your profile and then there's a mode called for a friend and when you open it, it basically starts a brand new session of the campaign for like someone to try the game out with. Oh, that's cool. That's actually really without cool. messing with any of your safety. That's data. a smart. That's a smart feature. That is actually pretty smart. Uh, you know, game developers, uh, good job. Uh, who are the developers for this? Like, uh, it's who is it? Who is this? Uh, it's the developers called the label. Is that is that what the developers call? I'm gonna just launch the game. Yeah, I'm gonna launch the game. Um, it is made by Triband. Oh, Triband, yes. Uh, yeah, so uh, I saw the the credit sequence. I think in, in in there's a credit sequence in the end. Yeah, so yeah, Triband game by Triband. Uh, lead game design Tim Garbos. But yeah, so. Like it's it's a good game. Uh, I would recommend it. Like if you have the trial, go check it out. If you haven't already, uh, give it a shot. Uh, I would recommend playing it on an iPad if you have one. Right? Uh, I think it would probably feels better to play on an iPad than on the smaller screen. Right? Uh, but I don't think it'll be it'll be fine on a phone as well. I don't think it's yeah, no, it's pretty good on a phone. And and some of these games as we're going to mention with the next one are better played for controller. This one touchscreen. This one, I don't even know. I don't even think this one has controller support. But this is a game that definitely is like built for a touchscreen and works well with one. Very well, very well. It's it's, it's definitely made for a, made for a touchscreen device in mind, and it's designed well. It has the composer. Uh, yeah, the music is really good. Uh, so yeah, check it out. Uh, next up, speaking of music, Cyanar uh, Wild Hearts. And this was one of the games that they that they showed off at the keynote, right? Uh, this is published by Annapurna Interactive, right? And de- who was the developers again? Uh, I don't remember the developers, but uh, is it is published by Annapurna, and it is uh, what kind of game is this? Like a music based, it's like a rhythm like, game, rhythm, rhythm fighting it's game, a rhythm fighting game with like you, you the, the the like the you also get, it's like, developed by Simogo. Okay, yeah, uh, and let me see who what games have they worked on. Sayonara, Wild Hearts, um, like eShop games and and phone games. Yes, yeah, like they're like a mobile, like mobile or like small developer. Uh, and like Sayonara, Wild Hearts is is definitely one of those games that are better played with a controller because I was playing this last night, um, and the music is amazing, fantastic. Uh, the 
visual aesthetic is really nice. It's it's very pretty. Uh, the thing with the, the thing with playing with the touchscreen is that the touchscreen is not responsive enough control wise to play to get like high scores of the levels. Right? If you want, if you want anything higher than like, if you don't care about the scores, you can just play it. Whatever. Uh, this is a game where a ProMotion display would really help, right? Because this running at like 120 hertz probably is. I would say is better just because of how precise you need to be with your movements of moving your character along. Maybe it may be. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think a controller would probably be best. Like uh, I didn't know how to pair a controller. So I'm going to try that later. If I can get my PS4 controller to work. With and, and for anyone who is wondering, you basically go to the Bluetooth menu, turn your, put your um, Xbox or PS4 controller in a pairing mode. And then it just pops up as a device and you add it like a pair, like headphones or anything else to your phone or tablet. Cool, but I don't have an Xbox One controller that's Bluetooth. Uh, but I do have one. I, I think the PS4. Pro. But yeah, uh, I would recommend if you play this, give it give it a go with the controller. Uh, it's it's really nice. Uh, I like it. Uh, Hot Lava. I didn't play this one, but Chosa, you. So Hot Lava is a game where the floor is lava, and <laughs> it's on Steam already, but. The port for iOS is interesting just because of a the aesthetic to it amazing. It's like the intro to it, it's like a it's like a GI Joe clone and it's fucking great. But um, but what's interesting about it is the controls are you have a button to move forward and backwards and to jump and you look around by moving your phone and you might think that sounds terrible, but they've made the controls in a way where it's like once you get used to it, it's actually really fun to play by moving your phone around. There's a lot of time put into porting this sort of um, movement style over to, yeah, it's first person, yeah. And so you move your viewport by just moving your phone around, and they've actually made it work very well. Um, I still I still enjoy playing it more with a controller, but for mobile only, they they really did put a lot of work into it, and it's really fun to play regardless. So I would definitely recommend, I would say probably for the best, like if you want to get the highest scores, use a controller, but it absolutely is playable with a um, with just the touchscreen. Yeah, because uh, I mean, first-person platforms are notoriously one of, I kind of hard genre to develop properly because it's, you can you, you can make it very bad right? and even with like a keyboard and mouse too right just because of like you don't have that precise analog control it can sometimes be a pain in the ass too to play yeah, exactly uh it's it's developed by clay right uh clay clay um clay who made invisible ink on ios as well um don't starve uh those are like big indie titles uh so like yeah so those are i mean apple arcade those are three games that we mentioned but there are other and there's like over i think it's like a hundred right now there's a huge amount and there are some duds right there are some games that definitely seem like in-app purchases or like the model before apple signed them on to that okay let me talk about uh what was it what was it what i mentioned before the podcast sonic started. racing uh, right sonic racing um it just it just feels bad i don't know it just feels bad to control it's not great uh i wasn't i wasn't i wasn't into it uh, I, I like my racing games, you know. Uh, I enjoy them, but it, it it was it wasn't good. Yeah, and there's a couple of others that have like timers and stuff, which is completely out of place. Um, and 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 to compare it to, which is interesting, because Nintendo launched Mario Kart Tour this week, right? And with Mario Kart Tour, what you get with it is it's sort of like Sonic Racing, right? It has in-app purchases, and it also has a five dollar a month gold pass, which unlocks you like stuff in the game and gets you like one new mode. And it's such an interesting contrast, right? You have Apple, all of Apple Arcade, 
which has these three games alone, right, are worth the five dollars. Like, I would pay five bucks for each of these games on their own. Yeah, exactly. Like all all, all, the, all of these games are good games that are worth definitely worth five dollars. Like they yeah. would be paid. Like I would buy them like by themselves, but you get them in that subscription. And then you have like Nintendo who has a five dollar subscription for like what free coins and an extra speed mode. It's it's super. It's such a big contrast, and that's mostly me just shaming Nintendo here because Mario Kart Tour is bad, but it's like it's. Uh, it, this this is definitely we predicted right if the games were good it's likely going to change how ios game development is and i the games are good so i genuinely believe it's going to you know change how how games are done on on ios and importantly too there has been a big debate with indie developers about this rooting games like subscription services being bad for games but like i don't know like you with steam you never owned games to begin with right Valve could always remove stuff from your library, and most people don't buy games from GOG, right? Like, that's an objective fact. No one's out here buying their whole library on GOG, except for people who probably listen to our show, and you're great because of that. You're great because you buy your... <laughs> I love how you, like, just insult, like, our, 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 our listener base. It's, it's good. <laughs> no, I don't insult our listener base. Our listener base are probably the people who actually buy stuff about DRM and buy stuff on Itch and, and GOG, right? Which is great, and I fuck with you for that. But most people don't, right? Like, most people just... People this, people cry all the time about the Epic Game Store um, and all that stuff. Because it's like they just... They like Steam, but you don't own anything on Steam. You're buying a license to use the game, even if it runs offline, right? You're still buying a license to use the game, and Valve can remove that at any time because you, you don't. This is not this is not your property when you buy it. And so that with that, people who like support that model, but game services are five bucks a month seem out of place. It's like, no, we've already we crossed the line when you when you bought a license to use the game rather than the actual game itself. Exactly, the line line has been crossed, but um, you know, like and and people are like, well, this is going to like make games that are like you know that are um, geared more towards engagement versus like short experiences. That's already the case. Why do you think there's like games like Destiny and loot boxes? Games are already built with people in mind of them just getting more engagement out of it. There, there is uh, there, there are legitimate concerns about what the what the monetization like the, the how the money stuff works behind the scenes for these games right like how how is how are these developers being paid like is it is it do they get like some sort of monthly revenue from this do they get uh like uh like do like does apple assign some sort of publisher deal with some of these game developers well like, so so apple arcade apple signs a publisher deal and pays them outright for the games that's what the that's what's been leaked that's what's been leaked about it and what play pass play pass is based off an engagement that's what's like been leaked so far and that likely might that could be incorrect but based off of like because no one in, on apple arcades can actually tell you what the terms are because they don't want to get thrown out of apple arcade but it but the the kind of the chatter is that apple is being the publisher of these games and paying for them outright so when you open them you always see the apple arcade logo whereas google is paying by engagement for play pass right right so, but is it is, is there's also the thing about like these games exist and some of them, like how how do how do developers handle like recurring like recurring revenue? Is there recurring revenue? Is like that's the, that's my question. Is there because to keep updates going for games, you need some sort of you know incentive, uh, some sort of return on the investment, right? Like if how how do is there any like that's the thing I want to know is do developers get any sort of recurring revenue from people playing their game? Like is is there like some sort of per hour per whatever like you know like engagement metrics or whatever like how are how do developers it's it's, it's i hope it's not just a one-time payment thing because that doesn't make sense for me for some games 
Uh, and I would say but, as well, like for some of these, like are they making more money through Apple Arcade right than they would by themselves? Because how many people would buy What the Golf if it wasn't an Apple Arcade? How many people would buy Cyanide Wild Hearts on the App Store, right? Not not talking about the console ports, just on the App Store. How how successful would these games be as paid games? I mean, some of these games would be like like ten dollars on the Apple, like if if they were like outside the outside Apple Arcade, right? And they're definitely worth that money. But how many people would actually buy them? Exactly. How many people are buying ten dollars? A ten dollar iOS game. Which is which sounds absurd to me, right? Like I I pay full price AAA releases are like eighty Canadian dollars, and here we're talking about people not paying for for ten a ten dollar game on iOS, right? Like that's that's the difference in the model we're talking. About. It's kind of weird to me because uh, like I see like games on 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 iOS that are like also on like other platforms, and I see them for a lower price than they're on on the other platform. I'm like. Is it like? Is it really that people are not paying? Like, like they don't want to pay like twenty dollars for a game, but they would pay like, like maybe like twelve dollars, right? Like it's it's really weird. Uh, but yeah, like I want to see what this like. This is early days yet, right? Um, let's see from a year from now what happens with Apple Arcade. Is this is this going to succeed? Is this going to continue to add games? Is it? Yeah, like how often do they add games every month? Every like you know two months. Yeah, but for now though, with what we have here, are you going to pay for it when the trial's over? Do you think it's worth it? Especially for that family subscription, because I'm, I'm kind of tempted. I'm tempted, but I'm not. I don't really play mobile games that. Much. I mean, even I mean, even though the games are good, I don't find myself like paying the subscription fee for it. Well, I'll think about it in a month. Uh, let's see if. if and I, I mean, you could always resubscribe if there's like a new hot game that like everyone's yeah, talking exactly. about. That's, on exactly, that. that's the thing, right? And if it's I, cheap I wanna, enough that it doesn't like matter much. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like if I want to play a new game that's on there uh, exclusive to that, I will, I will pay the subscription for a month. Well, how much is it in like, Canada? Is it, it's five US? Is it five Canadian? Uh, yes, I got an email from Apple about this. Let me see. Let me find. Go inbox hunting. Uh, yeah, oh, five ninety nine Canadian, right? Uh, so that's fair. Just one more. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it's a it's a free trial for uh, one month, right? Uh, I mean, I could see this being very valuable for some people who who want like who have kids, right? Uh, like kids, you just give them the iPad. You don't have to worry about like them purchasing uh, gems or whatever the fuck mobile developers do these days. Uh, you know, no microtransactions. Yeah, to, about to, no, um, no ads. to quote um, Randy, whatever his name is from Gearbox, we don't have loot boxes. We don't have none of that stuff. <laughs> Code Randy Pitchford. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that stuff. I mean, that's that's, that's a, a really box. deep reference. And anyone who gets the joke I'm making there, you're my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right i mean i think you can wrap this i'm gonna link to uh, i was actually watching this before the show started a like a giant bomb was doing like a live quick look of like apple arcade games right they, they, they were reviewing a bunch of games uh so, yeah and then um, austin evans on youtube as well has a pretty good comparison of uh google play pass to apple arcade and the quality of the games you get and just objectively across the board you get better quality games on um on apple arcade you get better well it's not better quality per se but like the games are more it's it's less about you don't have to worry about it trying to nickel and dime you essentially is 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 what it's not happening you don't have to worry about you know, you know like wait like we don't have to wait to play the game like it's like 
Except for like one or two games in arcade where you do, but those ones are kind of garbage. And more importantly, these ones are also on tvOS, and I'm excited for them to come to macOS because Sayonara Wild Hearts on my MacBook with like the eGPU running, right? Getting like higher frame rates, going to be a good time. There's like an ocean something, I forgot the name of it. It's like a Zelda competitor. I'm actually excited for that. Um, And even if they're like Catalyst apps, they still are metal, so I could still force them to use my eGPU. So like, this is better than nothing, and that's also like an interesting part that this is actually going to make Mac gaming better, which is which is uh, yeah, definitely a silver lining in the in the cloud there. Yeah, so. so that's Apple Arcade. Uh, re- regional pricing varies, I suppose. Four ninety nine US dollars, five ninety nine Canadian dollars. Uh, uh, give it a shot. I mean, if you have if you, if you have an iOS device, some of these games are definitely worth a shot. It's uh, try them out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and with that, I think we can wrap up. Uh, yeah, this extra long. It, this has been a nearly. It's, we are going on one hour and forty minutes. Damn, this is I think probably the longest episode we've done in a long time. Uh, you can find me on okay, actually two shades two shades of brown dot com is where the web the, the website the podcast where it lives the feeds the uh, contact email contact at two shades of brown dot com send us feedback. You know, do you do you have a new watch? New new iPhone. How how do you feel about Apple Arcade? Uh, do you have you played any of the games? Do you like any of the new games? Uh, you know, do you play games do, on Linux? <laughs> I mean, sure. Yeah, uh, talk any, to us. Just, um, just just send just send feedback in general. Uh, send nudes. If, have you <laughs> have you encountered uh, bugs? You know, maybe did you encounter the mail sync bug? I did. I don't know. Like other bugs that uh, we haven't talked about. You know. That what do you us. think about the prism phone since we haven't we didn't get a chance to talk about that right right uh this week has been all uh, like apple stuff uh as evident as, as it's been a long one uh you can find me uh, on mastodon at static seven mastodon.zombocloud.com and just where, where can people find you on the internet you could find me on mastodon at chosefine at 10 forward.social and you could also find my own website which is chosefine.website also, I should shout out. I, I wrote a review of like I've been writing more things for my blog, which is at uh, s9tech.com, and I wrote a review for uh, Control, so which I finished recently. Go check that out. Uh, tell me what do you think about my uh, video game writing style. Uh, I definitely need more screenshots, that's for sure. But yeah, uh, go check that out. Tell me how you feel. Uh, and with that, goodbye. Bye.